we won a national championship for for Ole Miss and um, all the past players and all the fans across the country and for the state of Mississippi and the University of Mississippi, uh, we did it. And, uh, we're national champs. Breaking ball. Tommy White. First pitch swinging. In the air to center. D'Onofrio back and it's gone! The legend continues! Got him swinging! The Campbell Campbells, the dynasty of the Big South. And now Tony Vitello bumps the third base umpire. Set. He'll throw that as a line drive in the gap. Did he do it again? It is another ball in the gap for Morrell. Another extra. Oh, that is gone. A home run for Brian Morrell. Swing and a ball driven. Way back. And foul. No, gone. He did it. Ortiz kept it just there and walks it off with a grand slam. What is up, college baseball fans? Welcome to another episode of the 11.7 podcast, where we are going to preview week number five and also recap the midweeks with some crazy upsets, crazier than we could have ever expected. Um, and this episode is brought to you by our great friends over at Yacker Tech. Um, they are the leading provider for analytics and player development in, in college baseball. And they have, they have a very long-term plan for how to help not only players, but programs as a whole uh, develop and make college baseball just more entertaining, also more profitable. And, and of course, helping these players get to the next level. So they've been awesome partners of ours all year. Happy to have them. And they're, they're sponsoring our mid-major poll every week, too. And uh, on top of that, we also have our other partner, Circus Sports. Circus Sportsbook in Las Vegas, who's sponsoring our Patreon Weekend Series Pick'em Competition, uh, where they're giving away a grand prize at the end of the year to two lucky winners, the winner of our Survivor Poll and the winner of our Weekend Series Pick'em. And after three weeks, we got a pretty tight leaderboard. We got, we have some, some guys that are up there. I think fifteen and, let's see. I actually just had the standings pulled up. Let me pull these up here. I, I have them right here. Go ahead with them. Um, we got Harlan Harris at fifteen and three. What's up, college baseball fans? By the way, Ben. Um, I don't know if he forgot or just chose not to introduce me, but it's all good. Um, Harlan <laughs> Harris coming in at fifteen and three. Jay Smith fifteen and three. And MWT Pittman, former teammate of mine, 15 and three. Um, honestly, 15 six... and three is impressive, Ben. I, I don't care what you say. Maybe we just like, I think the problem is we know too much and it makes our picks too hard. We overthink. I like to tell myself that too. We just know too much. I think that's the problem. So 
if a uh, if we just know too much and we overthink things. But anyways, Alex Barham, Bird Dog Sport, Blaker Mayfield, Brent, Matt Hodman, and Moss, all fourteen and four. And then in tenth place, you have Anti twenty three at thirteen and five. And there's a bunch of thirteen and five guys too, guys and girls too. So, so yeah, over a hundred over a hundred participants and. Obviously, after three weeks, you look at the leaderboard and you might say, "Wow, I'm I'm ten and eight so far in the season, dude. You're still in it. You're, this is a long season, and it's just as easy to go zero and six as it is six and zero. the uh, The fun part is you do it every week. So just submit your picks, and obviously and you, know, you have to. You know what's crazy is most of these guys, most of the people on the top ten leaderboard, they're all just taking the favorite. Just oh, wait until we have a weekend until where hardly any favorites win, and that's gonna sh- it'll shake everything up real quick. And we saw it last year. There were so many weekends where there were six upsets that we would have in our weekend series pick them. So I mean, these standings will change fast, but they uh, it's fun to keep up with everybody's record. I and it's funny. I don't even know my own record right now. I believe I was you, eight you and are, four. You are. Uh... How many games? 18. You're 11 and 7. I'm 9 and 9. 11.7, baby. In my blood. But yeah, you are 11. Anyways, let's do this here. I'm going to give some shout outs to some Patreon members. And um, after that, we're going to go ahead and recap the midweek. So I'm going to start right here with Owen Bright, who's a uh, very active member in our, our Discord community, as well as uh, Patreon. We have Brad Kennedy, Cameron Johnson. Thank you, all three of those guys. We have Ty and Ryan Brown, Bryce Teekle, Kinley Watson, or sorry, Kinley Wasson, no T, Justin Clifford, Brett Hoffman, Connor Crowder, and I'm going to try my best here, Jack. But we have Jack J A N A S I E W I C Z. I don't know how to pronounce that. I'm sorry. I don't, I don't know how to pronounce that either. <laughs> you can, you can, Jack. You can DM me a, a phonetic or what is it, phonetic pronunciation of that, and I will say it on the next show. But um, we appreciate all of our Patreon members. We just hit over 200 now on the season, and it's exciting because they get access to our Discord channel, where we're building a really fun college baseball community to talk some ball on the field, off the field, your favorite team, teams you hate. It's, it's a good time. And uh, I want to address one more thing here before we get to the midweek. I have been absolutely the worst gambler of all time. Like giving out gambling picks the last week was tough. I've been, I've been just spitting out so many losers, Dimitri. And I, 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 <laughs> I made a call to the bullpen for our, our World Baseball Classic picks. And, and you, you stepped in for me. And as we're recording the show right now, it looks like they're going to start 2-0. So maybe that'll be my little slump buster is I got to just make a call to the bullpen, let Dimitri make yep. some picks here. Um, but no excuses for me. I, it's a uh, it's a tough thing to consistently hey, don't, pick winners. Don't, don't let this bad streak shoot your ego and your confidence because, hey, a 300 hitter fails 7 out of 10 times. Yeah, but you don't want to be a 300 gambling. No, you don't want to be a 300 hitter in gambling, but I'm, that's not the point. The point is clear eyes, full heart, can't lose. That's right. Well, my uh, my eyes are clear, you know that's from? kind of. From this point, if you know what that's from. 
Dude, I've seen the show and the movie a hundred okay, times. Okay, okay, okay. That, that, okay. Friday okay. Night Lights. It's in my blood. And uh, but you know, one thing I, I do want to say here: the the expansion of college baseball gambling. It might not be for everybody, but the more prevalent that it is, the more the sport is growing. You're getting a lot more people interested in in the game itself and studying players and looking at box scores and figuring out figuring out teams tendencies with pitching it's it's bringing a lot of new members to the college baseball community a bigger audience and, that, and that's one of the easiest ways to grow the sport so that's been exciting and shout out to circus sports for uh providing futures lines and friday night lines all year long uh we're gonna we can talk about some of our favorite uh favorite matchups and favorite games and which underdogs we like later in the show too but we're gonna we're gonna breeze past the gambling right now, and I want to. Oh, go ahead. I will. Yeah, I'll let you go ahead. No, 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 no. I just no, no. I just wanted to add something about. Um, you mentioned college baseball and gambling and stuff. We don't want to like. We don't want to turn people off like that. Oh, we're gambling on the sport. We don't truly love the sport or whatever. But like some people have mentioned their uh their thoughts, concerns, which is all welcome, by the way. It's all welcome. I like to hear. Ben as well likes to hear thoughts, opinion, criticism, all that stuff. Um, but some people have mentioned, oh, you guys are talking about gambling. It's not out of pure love of the sport, yada, yada. If you look at the majority of sports and what's popular, bet it, it comes down to betting a lot of times. People love hammering bets. Degenerates love betting on March Madness. They love playing fantasy football during NFL season. They always want to feel the energy and the i don't want to say passion but the energy and that that drug of competition if you can't play in the game you want to feel like you're competing in some way and gambling and fantasy sports gives you that feeling of you're competing again like you are staring at your tv and you are almost like you're playing so <laughs> that's where like betting comes from so if you're watching a but always game, i want to i need to add this always gamble responsibly don't bet more than what you can and if you if you've I'm never been a big gambler, so yeah. yeah. And and if you've never if you've never gambled before, don't start just because of what we're saying here. Um, it's it's just something that you're right. People like to have some some kind of interest in the game, other than just watching it. Now, if anybody questions our dedication, like our love for the game of college baseball, it just means they haven't been following us for too long. I mean, we've done this week in and week out, twice a week, three times a week. Uh, every single for day on Twitter. Uh, I mean, for, for the last five years. So we obviously love the sport, but we want the sport to grow. And to summarize everything, it has made the sport grow in popularity because of this. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, we'll leave it at that. Yeah. But, I mean, yeah. I mean, I'm not even, a, I'm, I don't even gamble that much, hardly at all. So, but, but I will say it, it helps the casual fan. The, just for example, SEC fans love watching the SEC, the highest level of the sport. In reality, it is. It's the highest level. If you just watch SEC baseball, you're watching good baseball every weekend. It is what it is. Mm-hmm. But if you want to like dabble in some, you know, some Sunbelt, some WAC, some Big West, some Atlantic 10, and they're the gambling line for it, and you're a degenerate, and you, I'm not saying do it. I'm just saying there's people out there that do it and they sit there and watch the game at seven o'clock on a Wednesday night between Troy and whoever. 
it, it, it helped grow the popularity, grow the interest in games that otherwise wouldn't have meant much interest or much re- give many people reason to watch. So that's where gambling comes in. People try to find an edge somewhere that they think they know better than the bookie. They take the they take the bet and they sit their ass down and watch that game when otherwise they wouldn't be watching it. So I think there's just there's two sides to that story. If you bring in more fans with gambling, I can't say no to that. Right. Um, so here I'm going to give you an option, Dimitri. We'll hit our first segment. Would you rather me dive into the midweek or tell you a really funny story that happened about an hour ago? Funny story and then midweek. Okay, cool. The uh, and I know our, our listeners are going to love this story. So I'm staying at my in-laws' house tonight, and um, obviously I brought my professional mic, and I hope to God I have it turned on right now. Let me just double check here. I do. Perfect. Last episode I recorded the whole thing without you know this nice microphone that I have. But anyway, so I left it in the back of my car, forgot to bring it in, and it was 11 p.m. when. I got off work and I texted Dimitri, let's hop on and start planning the show. I go in the back of my car, the trunk opens and I pull out my mic and my mic extender or stand, I guess you could call it. Basically, it's a it's a device that's flexible. You can move it forward, backwards, up and, you, and down. And you screw it into like the side of your table yeah. kind of thing. And you screw it into the side of your table and I'm going to try to paint the picture here because it's going to make the story so much funnier. It's a long... Um, like metal device, arm, like an arm, arm swing. Yeah, it's like an arm almost, and it's black and it has you know some hinges in it, and it's about four feet long, maybe three and a half to four feet long. Well, I pull it out of my trunk, and and I didn't realize this, but the neighbor next door to my in laws has never seen me before. They, <laughs> she's like she's looking at a car she's never seen before, and seeing a man. In a ho- like I had a hoodie on at the time because it was raining. Pull out, a- <laughs> pull out a, like a giant black gun-shaped object. <laughs> like in the dark, it probably looks like a like a shotgun or some sort of rifle out of the back of my trunk. And she just like gave me the most panicked look and was like went back inside. And I just was like, oh my god. It's not going to surprise th- you, me. She thinks she's going to call the police or something. She might very well. I mean, it's been an hour and a half since then, and no police have arrived. But how funny is that? I saw the panic in her eyes. She was outside, like a dog was, you know, going to the bathroom or whatever. <laughs> that's, that's funny because I know you were sitting there, like, I swear to God, I swear to God, it's just a podcast, my dude. Like, you uh, wanted to say it. I was ready to walk up to her and, like, toss the podcast mic onto the wet grass and be like, look, I promise it's not a gun. You can inspect it. <laughs> That's hilarious. But, yeah. I don't know, man. I just thought that was hilarious. And uh, it's, it looks just like a gun in the dark coming out of the trunk of a car it's that so she's funny. never seen That's before. So funny. And you know, it's crazier. Is, like you just bring it on. Even if you, she told her the podcast might be like, what the hell are you doing with the podcast? Mike, <laughs> this hour. That would be even, yeah. That would be even scarier, but like, Hey, I got to bring in the heavy weapons, man. We've got a big show today. Weekend number four of the college baseball season. <laughs> yep. All um, right. Well, that's let funny. Me, that's funny. All right. So speaking of, uh, of weapons, what a freaking weapon this midweek was, especially to some top tier teams. I, uh, 
So I sent out my gambling picks to our college baseball community on our Patreon that um, that pay for the college baseball picks and had a great February. You know, March has been really rough. But on Tuesday, I go, hey, guys. And I tweeted this out, too. I said, guys, there's always one to two uh, midweeks every year where just chaos happens. And you're going to see a lot of upsets. You're going to see teams play bad baseball, lose to teams they're not supposed to. Watch out. I got nine underdogs that we should bet here today. And, and you know, they have a good shot at winning, not only because conference play is starting up for the ACC and Pac-12 this week, you know, look ahead games, not wanting to use your best arms uh, for this midweek. But, you know, also the, these teams, these mid-major teams play these midweek games to try to win and they'll use their best arms and they'll, they need it for RPI purposes. So I had this big, long explanation, pick these nine teams, you know, some of them are going to win, some of them are going to lose, but you'll get your, uh, you'll get your value there. Well, those picks, I'm like pretty sure went either one and eight or oh and nine. I didn't stay up to finish one of the games and I don't remember who it was. I think it was either Grand Canyon or somebody. They did terrible. None of them won. Well, the four games that I did not pick because I was like, there's no shot. These teams are losing to these teams, like to the much worse opponents, you know, top 10 teams, five of them lost. We had Wake Forest losing. We had Wake Forest losing to to Coastal. We had Miami losing to Jacksonville. Wait, you took Wake? Yeah. No, no, wait, no, 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 no. We, I did not like these are games or these were the upsets that I did not pick because they were like too big of upsets. So I oh picked up, I we picked nine. Talked about, we talked about UNCG and Coastal being our two favorite teams to have upsets this week. You got to stick with that gut. I know. I just didn't think that Wake was going to lose. So I just avoided the bet. Yeah. Um, or actually, you know what? I might have, I might have sent out Wake Forest to win. I don't, I don't know. I have to go back and look. But anyways, I didn't take Wake Forest, uh, or sorry, Coastal Carolina to beat Wake Forest, which was a pretty big underdog. I didn't pick Santa Clara to beat Stanford because I was like, no shot there. I wouldn't have touched. I wouldn't have touched that one either. I didn't. I didn't pick UT Arlington beating TCU. Thought there was zero chance there. I didn't pick Boston College to beat Tennessee. No chance that That's was going to happen. One. So remember on Sunday, we at the very end of the show, we kind of went through the midweeks real quick. I was going through them, and I mentioned Boston College, Tennessee. I was like, oh, that's a good matchup. Hey, it's still an ACC-SC matchup. Much of Boston College kind of been sucky over the past 10 years as a whole. They've had good players and good teams. Like, they've yeah. had some really good players. They had a first-rounder last year. Yep, Sal Freilich. Mm-hmm. Um, is it Freelick or Freilick? I always say Freilick. Anyways, he's with Team Italy. He led off for Team uh, for Italia last um, last night. So that's another um, player, D, former D one player. But yeah, anyway, I was like, hey, that's a game that you know Boston College can play that game. They can play and, and have a chance to win. And they did. They were plus yeah. like four ninety or five hundred to win that game. Um, and then I also didn't take Jacksonville. Yeah, I also didn't take Jacksonville to beat Miami, even though Jacksonville just is murderer's row on, on midweek games for the last five years. They just beat whoever it is, Florida State, Miami, Florida. They've, they've done it all. Should have saw that one coming. 
But yeah, it was just, it was crazy to me that I picked nine underdogs that were much closer. They should have been much closer games than these, you know, huge underdogs. And the big ones won and the, the tight ones lost. I, I mean, that put me in a pretzel I'd for almost 48 pay. hours. So you're basically, so basically, let's just say there were 13 favorite, big favorite dog game that you, you like. You took mm-hmm. the nine that lost and you didn't pick the four that won. Yeah. Out of 13. Oh, that's brutal. That and the brutal. four that won were against top 10 teams. Crazy. No, that's brutal. Um, But I wanted to say something about, you mentioned Jacksonville and A-Sun. A few people have been commenting and are, are tweeting in the comments, whatever, saying, don't sleep on the A-Sun. Don't sleep on the A-Sun. I'm like, buddy, I played three years in the A-Sun. I, I know <laughs> the A-Sun. Like, when nobody's sleeping on them. It's just the A-Sun with a way better team. Back in the day, I mean, Jacksonville used to have a bunch of dudes. Just Adam Brett for the for the d- people that know what I'm talking about. Adam Brett Walker, Dan Goldbranson. They had a first round pitcher. Forgot. Um, oh my God, what's his name? First round pitcher from Jacksonville, Anderson or something. He threw fuzz. He threw Chet. He was, I think, with the Twins or something. But yeah, Jacksonville with Lotus. Stetson would had a bunch of guys. Florida Gulf Coast. Um, so yeah, we I, I know what the A Sun ball is like. It's and a lot different. Got now, better too. Nobody's sleeping on it. The A Sun like brought in more teams. They, they have Liberty now. They have, or I guess Liberty has probably been in there for a while, but uh, maybe like five years since they left the Big yeah, South. Yeah, the A Sun. What the A Sun did is they spread their foothold to more geographical area covering of the conference. Mm-hmm. But it's not as quality anymore. Yeah. Well, they still have Jacksonville State, and um, I know they no, have no, Northern. Jacksonville State wasn't in it. They. I know. They, I'm they talking about teams, team. teams that have been added here recently. Um, yeah. and then who's the team in uh, Eastern Kentucky? I think. Uh, I know Bellarmine or somebody like that. I don't remember the all the teams, but yeah, the A Suns. It's a very Big conference. There's like 14 teams or 12 teams now. Two divisions. They have Eastern Kentucky, Bellarmine, Jacksonville State. Um, they took some of the Ohio Valley Conference teams. NJIT was in there in the beginning when they first when they first mm-hmm. moved up to D1. I think they joined the A Sun, and I was like, "What the, what the f?" Hey, by the way, I'm trying to like be a little more aware of my language on the podcast um there's just no reason for it sometimes it's just hey, whatever listen, but anyway when you get fired um, up just just let it rip let it rip um but in the, um yeah i was like what the hell is this team doing in this conference sure enough they've improved that program immensely so shout out to the highlander um austin p and central arkansas both were added queens college the royals almost pull off a huge upset queen mm-hmm that's a great segue. Let's talk about Shout Queens. Shout out to Daniel Bagwell. Mm-hmm. Eight and two thirds. Let's talk about that real quick. Eight and two thirds inning. He he had quite a few appearances. I think that was his seventh appearance of the season. And he pitched like this past weekend, 129 pitches on Tuesday night for East Carolina. There's two ways to go about this. Is 129 pitches a little crazy? Yeah, it's a little crazy. That's a lot. Well, he's big bags, team. man. Big Bagwell. But on the flip side, Top ten team, the moment's never too big. Like you, you don't know how many times you get an opportunity in a moment to win a game like this. Go get it, man! If you are mm-hmm. in shape, you pr- put the preparation in, you put the work in, you're ready, and you're in shape, you feel good. Go for it. 
take care of your arm after take care of do your program do all that stuff after get your you know number of days off whatever the case may be but on that night in between the line go get it that's what i always say i'm i'm i want to say i'm a little more old school in that department i'm oh 100 pitches shut it's got to come out no no it depends on the situation not if you're queen's college and this is your first year of division one and you're beating a top 15 team in the country in East Carolina. I mean, if your guy goes out there and shows that he's got the guts to you know, compete with him and throw the best game of his career, let him eat while he can. You know, you, you just let that engine until run until it dies and then you go to your guy. But there was nobody else that they would trust in that scenario other than Big Bagwell. And yep. um, I mean, I was happy to see it. I mean, they ended up losing the game in extra innings. So what? They were supposed to lose the game anyways. But for a team first year in Division One, uh, Queens uh, Queens Royals is their name, right? They're the Royals. What? Their their mascot Queens Queens, Queens Royal Queen. Yep, the Royals. Yeah. So I deemed uh, I deemed uh, I actually DM'd Bagwell, and, and I said, "You are now the King of Queens," <laughs> like the show with uh, what's the guy's name? Um, what did he did he say anything back to you? Yeah, I mean, we talked more about that, but I said I deemed the the nickname the King of Queens. You, you can just That's tell cool. he's a big locker room guy. His teammates were rooting for him. Everybody jumped off the bench when he got pulled. It, yep. Those are the type of guys that they, they build a lot of friendships in the program. But yeah, That's what's awesome. that show? Kevin James, King of Queens. I don't know why I blanked on that. Good show back in the early 2000s. Hey, uh, talk about Wake Coastal game. Yeah, I mean, we said it on Sunday's podcast. I said I would take the over even if it was 21 and a half, and I still think that hit. I mean, the ball was flying. Uh, Coastal Most final score 11 to 8, 11 to 9. I thought it was more than that. I don't know why we keep guessing. We have technology. We can look up the scores, or at least I will. Oh, 13 to 11. That's right, yeah. It's 13 11, to 11. 13 to 11. And oh. obviously Coastal – that was the worst baseball they've played all year by far. They they just didn't look sharp. Who missed... Coastal? No, so I'm so sorry. Wake Forest. I think that's the worst game they played defensively. I'm I, I'm just just spitting out something random. That's the worst defensive game they played in the last ten years, statistically. <laughs> Dude, statistically, it has to be right. They seven had errors by seven the errors. Deacon. Hey, they might be Wake Forest for a reason. They don't. They just care about offense and pitching. They don't play defense. I'm just kidding. They can play defense. Um, yeah, Coastal Carolina errors. had 13 runs on seven hits because Wake Forest made seven errors. Let me ask you this. Does this say more about how good Wake Forest did or how good Coastal played? Because to be basically down to your final swing and you're still in the game after seven errors, I think that just goes to show how good Wake Forest did at their best. Right. Well, we knew going in that neither team had any kind of pitching depth for the midweek. Coastal Carolina, their bullpen, their weekend bullpen is trash. They've been giving up 10 plus runs like it's their job. And we knew they could swing it a little bit. You know, it's a very hitter friendly ballpark. Wind is always gusting out. Um, and but we knew one thing. I mean, it was going to be an offensive battle and who's going to score. Who's going to take advantage of miscues or walks, errors, whatever it may be. And Coastal had a six-run inning in the second to make it eight to three, and then scored three in the bottom of the seventh after Wake took the lead, and ultimate ultimately closed the door from there. But 
listen, like Wake Forest, if that was a if that was a Friday night, Saturday night, Saturday night or Sunday game, probably win that game. You know, better arms on the mound. They're not going to play that bad defensively. But somebody brought up a good point to me um, that that was Wake Forest's first time playing on a non-turf field, and I didn't fact check that or anything. No, I guess they played at UNC Greensboro. But so the second time they've played on a non-turf field, that's a that's an excuse for them. At least they can say, "Hey, we hey, <laughs> turf can create bad habit in terms of the way infielder jump on the second and third hop of a ball because mm-hmm. sometimes you can sit back on the ball because it'll get there fast enough for you to still get the out at first. Um, sometimes so guys sometimes get lazy and they sit back on balls playing on turf so much. You get on that grass field, that ball dies a lot quicker. So you have to jump on it, you have to move up on it, stuff like that. Um, obviously, we love to overreact on this on this eleven point seven podcast. I love overreacting; it makes things more fun. Um, I think Wake will be fine, but I'm still stand by what I said. They're going to cool off and they're going to face some adversity once the ACC play hit. Yeah, it starts today for them. They play at well, they play at Duke, which is the Durham Bulls Stadium. And you know Duke's scrappy. They're nine and four this year. They score runs. You know, decent pitching staff. Probably going to finish in the bottom part of the conference, hey, but easily, easily, I can see Duke winning that series. Two out of three, easily. Mm-hmm. No way. I'm, I'm, I'm not kidding. It wouldn't. I think Wake takes care of business, win two out of three. But I could easily see. I wouldn't be surprised if Duke. Won, oh, that's su- that's such a cop out, though, dude. You gotta, you gotta make your take and stick with it. You can't do no, this. No, I can't. I, I'm not making a pick. I'm just saying, I wouldn't be surprised. Like I could say a series. Wow, I'd be really surprised they won. I could um, this series. I wouldn't be surprised. Okay, I'll let you say that, but you cannot on Sunday show. You cannot say, "See, I told you, I told you." Because... All right, all right, fair, fair. I will not <laughs> claim that I called it, but I'll just say I expect Wake to win. But I will not be like, "Holy shit, Duke won." It'll be more of like. Wow, I, I I I could have seen that coming. Yeah, I mean, listen, it's Fair. a. I, I, I don't think I, I would be very surprised if Duke won this series. Sure, they might win a game, but it's not the end of the world. Everything just. But you just ev- know how it goes. You just know how this shit goes. ACC play is full. Like, like Boston College can roll down a Coral Gables, or whoever can roll into any park and win a two out of three. It just happens all the time. Yeah. Pittsburgh can roll into Chapel Hill and take two out of three one weekend, then Chapel Hill sweep Florida State and Tallahassee the next weekend. That's well, wasn't baseball. it? Wasn't it twenty twenty one when Pitt was in first place in the ACC after like For eight a weeks? Long time, and they couldn't finish because it's so hard to get through May mm-hmm. in first place in any of these Power Five conferences. It's hard, so that's why I just I don't think Wake is ready for that step. Maybe they are, and I'm wrong. But anyway, I don't want to keep talking about it. I talk about it every episode. so a couple other things i mean we're gonna we're gonna hit on some more games but just quickly on the uh the midweeks the uh uh, well no what i was gonna say stick in the acc uh nc state was also undefeated going into midweek play and they almost blew a 10 to 2 lead against unc greensboro they ended up scoring two in the top of the ninth but uh, the game was 10 to 2 nc state and then it was 11 to 11 until the eighth. And then it was 13 to 11, then 13 to 13, and then 15 to 13. They ended up winning. Um, but, you know, NC State's another team that's undefeated, similar to what Wake was on Tuesday. 
I'm not a hundred percent sold on them yet. Obviously, I think it's going to be a tough. It's going to like they've played such a weak non-conference that like of course they're undefeated. But when they go down to Coral Gables this weekend, which is one of our weekend series pickems we'll make later on, it's just a different ball game there. Like NC State could just totally lose control of their your, season. Your your day two and day three bullpen on your third third fourth fifth option aren't just going to cruise control through the weekend like they have in their non-conference play. Exactly. So this is where this is where the animal comes out to play. Right. You you get no breaks once conference play happens. It's 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 a war. It's basically war. So speaking of that, real quick before we move on, I just want to bring something up about you just meant you just reminded me of it about Miami and getting no breaks. For those of you that are interested, listen to the schedule that the Hurricanes have. So they obviously just played Florida last weekend. Very emotional series, a lot of energy, a lot of emotional investment into winning those games. Okay, so they went FAU midweek, Florida past weekend, JU they lost, NC State comes to town, FIU, another just annoying, pesky midweek game. Homebrew, Virginia Tech, FAU midweek, at Wake Forest, FIU midweek, Florida State and Coral Gables, UCF at home midweek, at Virginia, at North Carolina. That is the game they play until April 15th. NC State, Virginia, well, Florida, NC State, Virginia Tech, Wake, Florida State, Virginia, North Carolina. Like, that is insane. It's it's so surprising because somebody has to win those series, right? But you look at it all the way down those eight weeks, and you're just like, man, that's a toss-up. Man, it's a toss-up. It's, it's really just who's playing baseball at that time better that are, that are going to win it. But – I expect the ACC, similar to the SEC, you can't call them upsets really because every team is pretty evenly balanced uh, for the most part, but it's going to be such a back and forth. We're going we're gonna to look at the standings from March 10th and then fast forward to May 10th and be like, oh my God, this changed so much. There won't be, I don't think there'll be a team that runs away with it. It's just Which is hard. why it's so fun to make hot takes. And then be right. If you just if you're right on two of out of ten hot takes, you feel you feel like a king because it's so hard to predict a college baseball season. Yeah, and it's not Spe- fun to predict the LSU or the Tennessee. I mean, Tennessee was a fun one because everybody was on LSU. Same thing with other conferences. Just taking the favorite, the top dog every year is not fun. So when you make a hot take on a team and you hit it, you're like, holy shit, that's amazing. It's a good feeling. Yeah, no doubt. Um, Hey, let's talk about this Boston College-Tennessee game from the midweek because there was a few different points that were exciting television, not just for college baseball fans, but I think think for anybody. And we can fast forward to the last play of the game, and then we'll kind of work back. But um, runner on third, one out for Tennessee at the plate. They're down by a run. Runner on third, nobody out. Oh, was it nobody out? Nobody out. So here's how it started. Okay. Boston College took the lead in the top of the ninth. Bottom of the ninth, first guy, um, Christian Moore, hit a bomb, hit a home run, 4-4. Next guy, ground ball down the first baseline. First baseman tried to throw his body in front of it, bounces off his shoulder. Blake Burke, by the way. He hustles his way to third after review, rules safe at third base. Next guy, so that's a man on third, nobody out, winning run on third. 
ground ball to first, play a first, uh, get the out of first, Burke stays at home. It was a play. You can't go home on that. It was just infield in, whatever. So you can't do that. Now, continue. Yeah, and then so – Runner on third, one out, and and they pinch ran for Burke, didn't they? They brought in, yeah, they brought in a runner for Burke, mm-hmm. and that was a smart move. And so Boston College puts this defense out there that we see happen a lot. You know, they bring in a fifth infielder to cover the middle in case there's a ball up the middle, and they play with two outfielders, left center and right center. And I've never seen this work in my history oh, of baseball. You, 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 how many? You probably used or been a part of it a hundred times. Yeah, I, I mean, going back to eight-year-old baseball, nine-year-old baseball, whenever it was. But, you know, there's a ball that's just absolutely hammered in the left center field gap. And I'm thinking instantly, you can even look at Boston College's shortstop. Off the bat, he's like head down, like walking off the field. Happens to go right to the center fielder and like no, could the, not have played. The, the, who, uh, if it was the center fielder or the left fielder, whoever was playing that left center gap. It went right to his like chest. You could not have picked a better spot. Well, Tennessee no. was runner on third. I don't remember who it was, but like basically did a, a secondary hop off the bag, thought it was going to land, but then he had to put the brakes on and go back he and went, tag. He went, what surprised me is he went on contact. He went a two, good two, three hard steps off contact. Just terrible base running. And, terrible, terrible base and, running. And so he goes back and tags, and then the center fielder throws in a ball that like two hops the pitcher i think cut it was a third baseman that cut it off and oh, played dude, it the was, play. it was an awful relay yeah awful relay slow developing relay and ended up getting the guy at home by a step and i'm just like mind blown like oh my god like boston college just had the perfect defense run I, i've never seen anything like this before and uh, to actually work and i knew from that moment i was like watch boston college is going to score in the top of the 10th and win this game and I think the so first batter. Rewind. I want to rewind. I think the second. first batter in the top of the tenth hit a bomb for Boston College, and then let's rewind a second. For those of you that don't know, or maybe just maybe curious about it, usually if you're on third base in that situation, off the bat, if you see the ball on the ground, you're taking a one, two, maybe three hard steps because that's you're you're you you most of the time you freeze. Because in field in, you don't want to get caught stranded. So you freeze, ball on the ground, you freeze. Ball in the air, you immediately are going back to the bag. Because you if have it lands to. in the outfield, you're scoring anyway. You don't need to be quick. But ball on the ground, you freeze. If it goes through, you're scoring. Then I can throw you out of the plate from the outfield. So if it gets through, you're in. You freeze or go back. There's no situation. I, I, I don't know why I said take hard step. You freeze or go back. There's no situation where you take one, two steps forward. Because you don't situation. have to. You, you wait for the ball to get to the outfield if it's a ground ball. You score easily. If it's in the air, you go back anyways because you're going to tag. And That's yeah, what I'm saying. There's no situation for you to be taking one a single step forward. If it's a wild pitch, you're at your home field. You should know what it takes for you to get home on a wild pitch. So, like – they're just, I mean, it's crazy. It, it happens. But but we mentioned it. Tennessee and base running have not worked out well together. It, dude, they've they've been either. bad last year and this year. Bad, yes. bad. And, and, they've been bad. And it's, I guess it falls on coaching, right? I mean, you have to make sure yeah. your players know every situation. I mean, I think it was the, it was the second game of the season. We, we, got, we saw Tennessee get thrown out. Nobody out at yeah, third base. against Grand Canyon. Yeah, against Grand Canyon, it was terrible base running. 
I don't know what's think, going on there. I think from a spectator's point of view, first assumption is yes, it's on the coaching staff. At the end of the day, it's their job. If the players are just not listening, that kind of falls on the coaching staff again, again because you, you figure it out, make them listen or make them buy into whatever mm-hmm. base running philosophy you have, whatever it is. It's it's got to be one or the other. So I think but that you know what's day, funny. Just, thing, just mm-hmm. from experience here, though, you know what's funny is base running is one of those aspects in the game that typically domino. Because once you, you make a couple bad base running moves as a team, then your coaches get on you, you practice base running, and then everybody's scared on the base pass. Everybody's scared to make a wrong move. Everybody's scared to you know, try to take an extra base or they're hesitant and then they don't get to the base in time. So it is a domino effect where base running, I think, is confidence and instinct. And feel, you lose yeah. instinct and, you start, and it goes to the mind, and that's when it's too late. So right now they might have the yips base running. It could it could easily be a real thing. This might be a hot take, but I think base running out of most and a lot of sports have different aspects. I think base running is one of those things that it's just a feel instinct thing, and it's a very it's very hard to teach. It's not one of those things you can really teach. You either know how to run bases or you don't, or it takes a lot of practice to become very good at base running. Like for me, I was never a fast guy or anything when I was younger or whatever I was never a fast guy I was more on the average slower side but I was always able to steal to take a bag I'm not saying straight seal on a pitch I'm talking ball in the dirt that doesn't get away from the catcher very far I always had second base it was just an instinct thing I didn't practice it I just could see the ball out of a pitcher's hand oh that's in the dirt I'm going and if you go early enough it doesn't matter how well the catcher blocks it you're there Mm-hmm. Well, people always say people in, in Major League Baseball always say the best base runners are the ones that have the best baseball minds. People that know the game in and out, high baseball IQs. And you see these guys end up being MLB managers or general managers. Two of them that come off to the top of my head, at least what I was told growing up, two of the best base runners. You know, Jeff Bagwell was always known as one of the best base runners and in the look game. At him. He's not a speedster. No, he's not a speedster. Now he's working as an assistant GM of the Astros. Um, and then you look at Carlos Beltran was the other big name. People were saying he's a uh, just a phenomenal base runner, never gets picked off, takes extra bases, steals bases, even though he's not blazing speed. And, you know, he was hired as the manager of the Mets before that whole, uh, I guess, trash can banging saga. Of wait, 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 can you can you elaborate? No, no, no. I think we're going to skip that. I don't need to. I don't need to talk about the Astros cheating. Hey, hey, Altuve let his anger out on those cheaters last night. By the way, I saw that. He hates those cheaters too. <laughs> yeah, stop. <laughs> stop. Stop. But um, anyway, so yeah. baseball, baseball Base IQ. Yeah, baseball IQ and instincts. I think they go hand in hand. So um, I don't know. Tennessee's got to fix that. And and another team in Tennessee that needs to fix their base running is freaking ten or Vanderbilt. Vanderbilt went to a 17-inning game on Wednesday against Evansville, and situational hitting and base running prevented Vanderbilt from winning that game two hours earlier. There were so many scenarios where I, I know what you're looking at. Dimitri just gave me a, a shocked look on his face. China just took the lead over Czech Republic, scored four runs this inning, take a 5-4 br- lead. Dude, they brought in Cavallo, who's a, D- he's a, he's a, he's a top five prospect in, in Europe. 
for young guys. He post he's pretty good. What? Let me see what. You yeah, the World with. Baseball Classic's getting pretty wacky. We right hit now. two walks. That's not going to play. That mm-hmm. in two thirds of an inning, that will not play. Oh man. Yeah, hey, I have the game on in the background right now. Yeah, I just have the box score, game cast, whatever you call it. Wow, China, good, good for those boys. Those guys. Um, oh man, I could talk about WBC stuff so much. We'll, we'll get to that at the end of this episode. For those of you that are interested, we will have some WBC talk and talk and stuff like that. So, stay tuned. Yeah, the reason why I'm watching this game is because there's a Division One pitcher that started the game for Czech Republic, Daniel Patysack. We made a couple posts today about him. Patty the Batty. He's literally a pitcher for Charleston Southern, and he, of course, got granted the the ability to go play for his country. And he went five innings, no hits. No, he's or no from runs. Czech. He's from he's from Czech. That's why I said he gets to go play for his country. Oh, I thought you said opportunity to play for the. I thought you meant like like he's from the state. He had the opportunity. Yeah. No, I know he's from Czech Republic. Yeah, um, so. but he had a great outing: four innings, no runs. Four innings, no runs, four Ks. Yeah, you look good. Let me see. Yeah, four innings, no hit, no run, two walks, four Ks. Really good outing. Um, but back to let me go back to Vanderbilt versus Evansville. Yep. The there was one play that I want to single out here before I, I talk more about generalized stuff. There was a hit and run in I believe the twelfth inning with Enrique Bradfield Jr. on first base. And there was well, one well, out. Well, give give them the situation, like what game it was. Yeah, it was it was Evansville versus. Wait, what do you mean? What game it was? It was Evansville versus Vanderbilt. I already said it. And oh, and it was the twelfth inning, one to one game, maybe the thirteenth. And you have the one of the SEC's best base dealers in history on first base with one out and your two hole up, and they they do a hit and run. And the ball goes right to the second baseman who was standing over second base covering Catcher the base. Might as well have thrown it to second base. You're not, exactly. you're not, you're not throwing out Enrique Bradfield Jr. You got to let him take that base there, take the pitch, and then you have a chance to win the game on a single. Or you could even let him try to steal third base with one out in a one to one game. And and they put on a hit and run, and it was as routine of a double play as you could have. I mean, the, the second baseman fielded the ball. With a foot on second base, and you know what's even crazier? You know what's even crazier? They did it with the lefty up who has to pull the ball through the four hole to make the quote unquote hit and run work. Yeah. So a righty up, he can just slap it to the right side. A whole lot easier than telling a hitter you have to pull this ball. Mm-hmm. Which would made no sense. Like that made no sense to me. And the video was cool to see though because. It was like a throwdown, but the guy basically just hit it a throwdown. <laughs> exactly. Had no <laughs> shot. <laughs> and, hey, but hey, old... tip of the cap to the second baseman. He made a nice little backhanded pick, which I think was super underrated. Yeah, I mean, he made a good good defensive play. And I thought from that moment that Evans was going to end up winning the game in the top of the inning. I was like, you can't just make that huge hit and run mistake and then expect to win the ball game. But about an hour and a half later, Vanderbilt ended up winning. Two to one, and yeah, I mean, it was good. I, Vander, Dimitri, and I were talking about this over text message on on Wednesday. The difference between SEC like talent versus a Missouri Valley talent in, in Evansville is the pitching depth. I mean, Vanderbilt was running a new guy out there every two innings, making his second career appearance or his sixth career appearance in college, 
and he's 94 from the left side with a sharp breaking ball. I mean, that's a back of the bullpen midweek guy that's just going out there dicing up hitters. And meanwhile, Evansville had a good guy on the mound who threw four or five innings and was just basically hammering a 12-6 curveball. Yeah, 12-6 curveball that Vanderbilt couldn't hit. And, uh, and he, he had a good outing, but that was that was it for them. That was their dude. They were going to let him fall on his sword or defend his shield, whatever the saying is. Uh, but, yeah, Vanderbilt was not worried about it. They just said, oh, he's here's our 12th best pitcher. He'll throw the 17th inning, 94 yep. from the left side with sharp break. It's like that's – he would be a Friday night guy at, at, at Evansville or at a UNC Asheville or a Samford, Mercer, wherever it is. I mean, that guy was was nasty stuff. So the, the depth is just totally different in college baseball. Anyways, um, was there anything else from the midweek that really stood out? I mean, obviously, here's one more thing. Ole Miss's lineup is crazy good. I think they scored every, sing, every single inning against Southern Miss. That, that Ole Miss team could potentially um. – do some damage in the SEC. There's I mean, one more thing I want to talk about. The Florida Gulf Coast Eagles are dangerous. I'm putting them in the category. I don't want to say the exact same even category as Campbell in terms of teams you don't want in your regional. Campbell pitching is better, but I think Gulf Coast pitching is a little weaker. It's definitely weaker, but their lineup is probably on, with UC Irvine, two of the scariest quote-unquote mid-major lineup I've seen so far this season. This Campbell, is a, Florida Gulf Coast, and UC Irvine are teams you do not want anywhere near your regional. Gulf Coast absolutely pummeled and abused Troy pitching staff Tuesday and Wednesday, swept the midweek series. Troy was previously undefeated. Um, I think that is a loud statement from Florida Gulf Coast to take two out of three, almost sweep State, Go on the road to a strong, undefeated team and still be that focused and that um, discipline shows a lot about that team. This is going to be really cliche what I'm about to say, but that Florida Gulf Coast team, their offense reminds me a lot of the 2016 Coastal Carolina Chanticleers. What about 2014 Louisiana Lafayette? Or 2014 Louisiana. The And I said Lafayette. I know they're not Lafayette anymore, but at the time they were. That's right. ULL. They but both of those teams, 2014 Louisiana and 2016 Coastal, they both I believe led the nation in home runs by a pretty good margin. And it would not surprise me one bit if this Florida Gulf Coast team ends up leading the nation in home runs cuz they're going to start playing against some weaker opponents here coming up and they might hit five homers a game for a week straight. You know what I'm saying? They they're a very veteran-led team with big boppers everywhere. Th you're right. That's a team that you don't want to see show up as a three seed in the Gainesville regional or a two seed in the. Oh, they can. Oh, I'm, I'm more than happy for them to go to the game on Gainesville regional. Please go annoy and piss off Florida fans. Go and annoy them in Gainesville. Just stay away from Coral Gables or and if Miami, the two seed there, then we'll have a different, that's a different conversation. Please send them to Florida. Go annoy them. Don't just keep them away from Miami, wherever they are. <laughs> we are unbiased, but that was an unbiased 10 seconds right there. Send the, them to Gainesville. Now, now, this is a crazy statement I'm about to make, but Florida Gulf Coast does not have the facilities to host a regional, right? If no, they got no, to that point. 
the only way Florida Gulf Coast would do it, they would have to host at the Fort Myers, the Miracle Stadium, which is right down the road. Spring training facility? No, the Miracle. Yeah, that's the twin spring training, I'm pretty sure. Yeah. Listen to these runs that they've scored every single game of the year. 13, 7, 10, 7, 7, 8, 7, 7, 14, 10, 11, 8, 10, 13. Is that good? Yeah, that's good. <laughs> wow. They they are they and they have a good closer. That is, I'm telling you, recipe. Good lineup, decent weekend rotation, and a good one two punch out of the bullpen. You can win a lot of baseball games. And that's what that's, Florida goals that's coastal Care that's coastal Carolina 2016's formula right there. Decent rotation doesn't have to be great. They just need to get hot at the right time. But if you're, you have a one-two punch in that in the back end of that bullpen with a good lineup, it is very dangerous. Because if you have if you're down too late and you can bring those guys in 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 regional and keep the keep it at two, your lineup will come through at some point in the final two three innings. So that's the problem. That's the issue. And Florida Gulf Coast is my A Sun pick. I picked them before the season. I really feel really good about it. Can Liberty? ruin that yes but i feel really good about it all right so um i don't I think, think there was much it for the midweek yeah i was gonna say i don't think there's any other big midweek storylines of course there were some other upsets but this the, oh probably this was probably the least upset filled midweek i've seen in a while especially yeah wait, tuesday and wednesday wait what are you talking about the number two of, three like, i'm talking four. i'm talking a lot of Okay, Boston College with an upset, but I'm not – like Lamar, LSU took care of Lamar. Clemson took care of Presbyterian. East Carolina took care of Elon. Um, Dimitri, the number two, three, four, seven, and ten teams all lost. Wake Forest lost. Tennessee lost. Stanford lost. TCU lost. Miami lost. They all lost in the middle. By the way, I don't consider that Miami – Jacksonville won a really that big of an upset because Miami Miami hasn't really shown that much. Yes, their lineup was good against Florida, but they haven't shown that much to be like, oh wow, they lost. Troy, Florida Gulf Coast, Troy, that's not an upset. I didn't say it was. Oh, I thought I thought that was one of them. Um, no, I guess maybe, maybe I was wrong. Maybe I was wrong, but again, I had the feeling that it wasn't really a big upset filled midweek. The number two, three, four, seven, and ten teams lost. Yeah, no, I was fine. I'm just saying I didn't have the feeling. Georgia took care of business. South Carolina took care of business. Though I'm th- I guess I'm, what I'm saying is the teams that typically lose didn't lose. That's okay. That's what I'm trying to say. The teams that typically lose those midweek didn't lose to those. Yeah, teams. like FAU. I could. Florida took care of FAU and upstate, both games. Like they usually. Sometimes sneaks in mm. there and beat South Carolina. They got their asses kicked. So um, Louisiana beat McNeese. Like it was like those kind of games. I was kind of more so talking about, but whatever. All righty. Well, let's do this here. Let's preview the weekend. We got our six weekend series uh, picked out for our Patreon members to participate in, and we teased it a little bit. But this weekend wasn't as good as the last two weekends, in my opinion. Maybe I could be wrong, but on paper, they aren't as tough to pick for me as they have been week two and week three. But here they are. So we have Iowa at Texas Tech. 
NC State at Miami, Troy at UCF, UCLA at Oregon, Virginia at North Carolina, and Illinois at Coastal Carolina. Those were those were five or sorry six of the most evenly balanced series uh, on the weekends. They they probably maybe aren't the best or most most watchable series, but they're they're most evenly balanced there. So we're. We're going to try to pick our winner. Who's going to win best two out of three? And I'm going to let you start here first with Iowa at Texas Tech. You know where I'm thinking about. You know exactly where my head is at with this series. Can Iowa continue the good baseball they've been playing? Basically, here's my my thought process. Let's just pencil in the Brody Bretch start of the win. Can Iowa win two other games? I, I just think Wait, Texas Tech is playing so well right now. Can Iowa like, win two other games, you're asking? Can Iowa win one of the other two games? Oh, okay. Okay. That makes can sense. Can Iowa get one of the other two games? And they also have another good pitching prospect. And um, uh, what's his name? Oh, my God. Taylor something? You know who I'm talking about. I do, yeah. Um, I don't I don't know his full name. But he's, he, Iowa's got a good, good, good rotation. Um, Texas Tech has been playing really well, and I feel like this is where Texas Tech, what they always do. They lead you to believe they're really good again. Because in the beginning of the season, we weren't so high on Texas Tech. We were like, they got a, they have a whole offense to replace, basically. And now they're playing good again. You're like, wait a minute, is Texas Tech good again? So I'm like, damn it, dude. I don't know who to pick here. Like, I, It should be easy, but I just want to – I'm going to go with Texas Tech at home. Dang it, dude! You you led me, you teased me there. Okay, I, I I also like Texas Tech, and it goes back to it, it goes back to the roots of the show. Really, if you go back to 2019 when James and I were doing this, it's like don't bet against the Red Raiders at home. You you can't. Those guys know how to win there. The weird environments, like you might have a game in March. 32 degrees and then the next day it's 98 you might have the wind blowing in 30 miles an hour one game and blowing out 30 miles an hour the next game but there's just something about lubbock especially in in march april and may and really these three months that it's tough to win there iowa great story so far they have the big win against lsu but they there's a difference between playing LSU and Round Rock and then playing Texas Tech in Lubbock. I, I Agreed. Think, I think Texas Tech at home takes care of it, wins two out of three. I, But now that I'm looking at it a little bit more. You can see Iowa winning this. You, you're, you see what I mean? Like, I'm just I, worried. I, I'm, I'm really it. surprised at how good Iowa's offense is. It's good. Mm-hmm. It's good. I mean, it is a good offense. But I just think... And oh Texas man, Tech I, played gonna... bad in that Shriners Classic. They went one and two. They lost to Rice. But they're, they've also shown... I mean, let's see. Texas Tech. I mean... All right, here we go. 12-2. Gonz, they smoked Gonzaga, who we're starting to realize they that they they're hurting without that rotation they had last year. They're yeah. really hurting. 
one and ten for Gonzaga, but Gonzaga has also played for Texas Tech, Grand Canyon, Ohio State, and Tennessee. That's arguably one of the hardest scheduled to start the year in the country. I mean, that is a hard schedule, so you can't you can take that with a grain of salt. Um, Western Illinois Air Force, and then the Shriners. Four to two, they lost to A and M. Three to two, they lost to Rice. Really close game. And then they beat and they beat Michigan. So, man, I, don't do this to me. I, I'm starting. To, I'm starting to think about switching my pick. Nope, I'm sticking with it. I'm sticking with Texas Tech at home. I hate the. I hate that the only reason why I like Texas Tech is because they're at home. I was not afraid. I was not afraid to go on the road. They've been on the road pretty much all year. They've had some big wins. They've you know, beating good South Alabama team, good Pepperdine team, of course, LSU. I'm going to stick with, with Texas Tech because I know I would hate myself if they if Texas Tech won the series and I picked against them at home. It's just in my roots. But there's a lot to like about this Iowa team. A what lot are you more doing? Than are you Iowa. taking Texas Tech? Yeah, I'm taking Texas Tech. Same. The next series here, I'll, I'll go ahead and start it off because I owe you an apology about Miami. I talked to you into taking Miami against against Florida last weekend, even though you were going to yeah, pick let the them know about this. Remind them that I wanted to take Florida. Well, it was like a double reversal psych out that you did. I was planning on taking Florida. And then you said you were taking Florida, and you said you, you were 100% sure Florida was going to win the series. And I said, wait, say that again? And you said, like, yeah, Florida's going to win the series. And then I was like, well, you're usually wrong picking these Miami series, so I'm going to take Miami. And then I talked to you into taking Miami. You didn't talk me into it. You coerced me and forced me into it. I basically threatened you to take them. Basically, basically. But hey, here so, we go. So yeah. NC State and travels down to Miami. You, I gifted you a win with UCF at Clemson. So this is not a fair trade-off that we've had. We've got going on. Well, um, so NC State plays at Miami, and God, man, I, I don't know. Like Miami, they're not playing good baseball. They don't have good pitching. They have two guys right now that they can rely upon to get outs. So the rest. I mean, the rest are just throwing meatballs up there. I'm not saying it's, a word. I'm not saying a word. I know. To I know. I know. Because I'm not doing this again. And and NC State, although they've played a pretty weak non-conference schedule, have shown that they can hit the ball. They can play good defense. They can beat you in many different ways. I'm going to take NC State here. I'm going to take the pack. And I know this is a prime opportunity for Miami to bounce back after a tough week against one of the best teams in the nation, if not the best team in the nation. I know I'm setting myself up for failure here, but I just can't trust this Miami pitching staff. Great pick. I'm rolling with the Hurricane. Next series. <laughs> All right, next series is Troy at UCF. And I think this is this is where my survivor pick is going to come into play. Maybe not. I could talk myself out of it. But for the third straight week, we have the UCF – Knights in, in the weekend series pick them. Now they're playing previously undefeated Troy, who has put together a pretty good team. I mean, sorry, a pretty good resume. This series, lost, this series lost a little bit of that luster and that like shine 
after Troy's showing against Florida Gulf Coast. Yeah, but here, here's this, though. You can't penalize a team for playing back-to-back midweek games because you're still not going to see the weekend rotation. And Troy was undefeated previously going into this. They still have not lost a weekend game, swept USC Upstate. They And they're pretty solid mid-major club, USC Upstate. But this is a prime time bounce back from an absolute dud of a showing for UCF. You know, they had the big win against Clemson, and then they had the dud showing against, uh, uh, sorry, the dud showing against Georgia Southern the last two days, and really even Friday as well. I've, I've been around the sport for too long. I've, I've watched and kept up with teams for too long to not know that this is just a good bounce back spot. Last week was a dud. The UCF Golden Knights, they're, they're the better team, I think, on paper and on the field. They, they're not going to play two bad weekends in a row. They're not going to lose back-to-back series at home. I like UCF a lot here. Is kill, kill season returned to prominence this weekend? UCF would have taken that Georgia Southern series if it wasn't for two absolutely historically horrendous innings. 11 rounds in the first, hard to win, and then six rounds in the second on Sunday. Like, if we did that series again, UCF wins that series. I'm very confident in saying that. Ooh, I disagree. I thought Georgia Southern was the better team all weekend. I think I, that's fine, but I think if you run that series back, I think UCF wins the series this time. Dimitri, I think Georgia, Georgia Southern very... was three outs away from sweeping that series. You, you, I mean – Depends. I mean, sure, if you want to put it that way, sure. But at the end of the day, UCF won that game Friday night. Yeah, Georgia Southern was close to winning, but I think that changes the whole series if UCF loses that game. Emotions were high. They came back and won. Sometimes get carried away, get distracted. They were out drinking Friday night, celebrating the win. Dynamics change. They were probably at the bar till 3 a.m. in Orlando that Friday night after that win, thinking – one in the next with win one in the next two we win the series so dynamics change you know that um but i think kill season is back i think ucf is a much better team than troy i think this is honestly the easiest pick of the weekend that's why i said this might be where my survivor comes in i'm, I'm well, curious UCF to see... i picked ucf on the wrong weekend because i'm out of the survivor oh that's right you are out sorry wow it sucks man Shut, shut, shut up. Do you want my entry? Do you want it? Yeah, come in. Next series. Let's go. Next series. <laughs> All right. Next series here we have UCLA at Oregon. Pac-12 play starts back up. I think the Pac-12 is very evenly evenly distributed with talent. I mean, even Stanford, I think, is not head and shoulders above anybody else. Well, okay, ahead of the top five or six teams in the Pac-12. But anyways – UCLA, to me, is a team that basically plays the exact same baseball every single year. They always play one really tough pre-conference play opponent for three-game series. They always play in the uh, either the LA Classic or the MLB Classic in Arizona. Or Vanderbilt Van- this year. Well, yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like Vanderbilt this year, but they've played Vanderbilt last yeah. year too. They always schedule like one non-conference series that's really good. And they pretty much do the same formula every year. And they always start out conference play good. And then they go through a very cold streak where they'll lose, you know, midweek games and they'll lose weekend series to bad teams. But 
consistently they start out really well in conference play just because they play a, a tough non-conference schedule. Now, Oregon, they do kind of fit under the hot – like when they're hot, they're hot. Cold, they're cold. And they got swept by UC Santa Barbara, I believe, two weeks ago and then come out and sweep somebody good last week. Who was it? San Diego. They swept San yeah, Diego they smoked, last week. They smoked San Diego last weekend. So that does scare me because when the Ducks are hot, like they can they can beat up on you. I'm making my pick here just because of what history says, and I think UCLA wins this series two out of three. They they just seem to always start hot in conference play, and uh, you know first weekend. So let's see what see what they're made of. So you're rolling with UCLA. Yeah, I think UCLA is the better team. I think offensively they had a bad weekend in Nashville against Vanderbilt. Vanderbilt's pitching is pretty good this year. They just can't hit for shit. Yeah. Um, I think UCLA can hit again, maybe a little lesser tier comp- um, pitching, and they can pitch as well. I love UCLA in the series, so I'm rolling with the Bruins. Nice, nice. I love when we agree. All right, next series here we have another ACC matchup. Virginia at North Carolina. And listen, I know everybody's going to be on Virginia. They're undefeated. They have great offense led by Kyle Teal and, and Jack Geloff, or sorry, Jake Geloff. I just combined J- <laughs> Jake and Zach to make. Shout out Jeff. to Zach Geloff, who is currently <laughs> getting ready to play with Israel in the WBC. I know. He had a great college career. I loved watching him play. I think he's my age, maybe a little bit younger. But Zach's a good ball player, but Jake is better. It's he's he's potentially a first rounder. Uh, Kyle Teal, I think, is a no doubt first round pick, catcher for him. Uh, but hey, listen, everybody's going to be on Virginia this weekend, so I think this is a prime spot to take North Carolina at home. Uh, North Carolina still hasn't played their best baseball. They still haven't played their best baseball. I know this is a wild take, but the, their offense was preseason wise talked about as one of the best in the ACC. I trust the guys at D1 Baseball that cover them and Baseball America and all that. that they, they all had great off-seasons. Hasn't quite quick clicked for them yet. Uh, give me North Carolina to win this series. Virginia's due to, to lose a game here pretty soon. It's hard to start a season undefeated, you know, 16 games through. There's two things leaning me toward picking North Carolina, and they're very valid reasons, them. Virginia has – they're 12-0. They have one, two, three wins of those 12 or against a team with a winning record. Okay, you're like, okay, whatever. That's not bad. Now let, let me tell you who those three teams are. You'll be like, dude, they have played nobody. UNC Wilmington, VMI, and William Mary are the three teams they played with a winning record. <laughs> are you kidding me? Talk about cupcake with a bunch of candles on top of it and a lot of icing. That is a big-ass cupcake of a schedule. That's one of those schedules where if they lose a game, you're like, wow, they suck. Exactly. Um, that's the first thing. Second thing, they're undefeated. It's bound to end at some point. So let's just say you guaranteed them one loss this weekend. Can, can Carolina win one more? I love it. I think they absolutely do win one more, and I'm rolling with the Carolina Tar Heels. Keyword Carolina Tar Heel. Stop. Don't get the don't get the people started. I agree with you though. It is Carolina. Carolina blue, Carolina Tar Heels. 
Anyways, last series here. Illinois travels to Coastal Carolina. Now, if you would ask a sneaky good one. Yeah. If you would have asked me three weeks ago if if this would even be considered, I would say no way. But Illinois ended up beating Southern Miss two out of three in week number two. And then Coastal just took down undefeated Wake Forest, number two team in the country. Shaping up to be a good matchup. And both of these teams can really hit. We saw Illinois just pound Southern Miss's good pitching staff the whole weekend. Um, Now, hey, if if Illinois wins this series, they've already put themselves in almost automatic tournament appearance as long as they play above 500 baseball in, uh, in Big Ten play. Because you have a series win at Coastal and a series win at Southern Miss, you got two losses to Van- or Wake Forest. Two fantastic series if they can yeah. finish this one on the road too, of all things. So the um, you know the line I have a chance to put themselves in position to pretty much be a tournament team automatically if they win this series. And, and you and know what? And absolutely eat shit in Big Ten play. And you know what? I, I'm gonna pick. I'm gonna pick Illinois here. Big upset, big upset for Coastal Carolina in the midweek at home. They they acted like they just won the World Series. I think their closer, what do you say? Uh, Something he dropped a couple f bombs, right? This is my effing house or something. Wasn't that Coastal? Yeah, he 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 walked off the mound after the eighth inning. Said my fucking house. Yeah, and and that tells me everything that they were more focused on that game. I said I I was going to clean it up. That's all right, man. Maybe next week. <laughs> uh, but yeah, that's all that I needed to see to make my pick here. Coastal was mo- more focused on that game than the weekend series coming up. Illinois is not as good of a hitting team as Wake Forest, but I mean, shoot, man, they can still swing it. They're they can pitch. They can pitch too. Can they though? I see. Like, I didn't. It's not. It's not. It's not. I. It's not eye popping. It's not wowing. It's serviceable that's the word i'm looking for it's a very service serviceable pitching staff honestly i, see, I think both pitching staffs are pretty weak and i and i think coastal at home they swing the bat i mean illinois well. illinois illinois six and four they're two of their loss three three of their losses are two to way forth and one to southern myth both on the road like they beat Sam Houston on the road, they beat Southern Miss on the road. Like their pitching staff, like I said, is not eye popping serviceable. They held Sam Houston to eight. They won a five Friday night, a three Saturday. <coughs> Excuse me, and lost ten to six on Sunday. Southern Miss and in the ten to six loss, they gave up five runs in the eighth or five runs in the ninth. They were winning that game six. They, to they five. gave up six runs in the seventh. Yeah, and so. The Southern Myth, they won nine to four or thirteen to five, lost fourteen to thirteen in eleven inning, then won nine to four. Wake four, they lost eight to one and ten to one that weekend. So like in that four that ten to one loss was their fourth game of the weekend. So I think they're serviceable pitching staff. I think they're good enough to win ball games, and I really like them to beat Coastal this weekend. Is I do I like picking against Coastal at home? No, but I think Coastal Oh man, their confidence is really high, which is dangerous. But sometimes it's a trap. You Who know are you what I picking? mean? Who are you picking here? I hate picking the same team as you. I hate doing it. You know what? 
everything I just said, throw it out the window. Forget I said it. Give me Coastal. Give me the chance at home. All right, good. I was gonna I was gonna switch to Coastal if you would have taken Illinois. There. We <laughs> we can't have that it. many. I knew it. I knew it. <laughs> we Give can't have that many same picks, you, dude. I'm looking at bad picks. I hate them now. I have four, five of the six series. I'm taking the home team. I don't like that. What 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 road team are you taking? Huh? UCLA. I'm starting to think Oregon might win that series now. We we waited too long. I'm, I'm getting regrets now. I'm getting some serious regrets. I really there, if there's one series I want to switch because we can switch one before we make it official. I want to switch to NC State beating Miami. That's the one I would switch. I want to switch to Oregon officially. You're give switching to Oregon officially? Yeah, give me the Ducks. Wow. All right. Oregon is locked in as your pick. Ducks are on the board. So you're taking um, Illinois this weekend, though. You know yeah, what? I'm, I'm taking... sticking with my pick. I'm not changing anything. Every time I change, it's bad news. It's bad news bears. So yeah. Give me, give me the chance at home. I'm not making any changes. I love my pick. Five out of sixteen, oh, five out of six home teams are winning this series. That's a recipe for success. So now it's time for me to make my survivor pick, right? Make your survivor pick and make it quick because I don't want to listen to it. How many? Oh my god! Hold on. Did wait? Was that fair? Oh my god! Czech Republic just hit a go-ahead three-run homer in the top of the ninth. Who are going crazy? Czech Republic. How are you so far ahead of me? I got that that good Wi-Fi today, baby. No, I'm not on bad or good Wi. Hold on, let me close this shit and restart it. No way! Absolutely no way! No way. They're making a up oh, there. It is. Go ahead, three-run bomb, top of the ninth against China. Wow! Take that, China. Wow. wow, there's people crying in the stands. Wow, yeah, good for them, man. That's definitely Mama's boy. Yeah, good for them. Wow, good for the Czech Republic qualifying out of Europe. Wow. Well, hey, fun fact for the listeners: I'll probably be facing Czech in September in the European Championship. This team right here. So, um, yeah, it'll be it'll be fun. European Championship is in Czech Republic this year in September. So, and they're in our group. Uh, you said uh, go ahead, three run bomb with one out in the ninth to take a seven to five lead over China. Okay, anyway, survivor pick, make it. Oh my god, I just completely forgot about that. Wow, so my survivor pick. It comes down to two teams here. It comes down between UCF and Texas Tech. I think UCF is the safer pick. I, I highly doubt they have back-to-back bad weekends, but they could. I, I'm curious to know. Like, obviously, I'm not going to b- make my pick based off of this because we'll review what everybody else has submitted. I think a lot of people are going to end up taking UCLA and Texas Tech as their two survivors. I'm going to go here. I'm going to go and say Texas Tech is my survivor pick. Texas Tech at home against Iowa. 
I I understand Brody Brecht is having an incredible season so far. He just doesn't have the command to consistently do it week in and week out. And I think if Texas Tech can get to the bullpen early on Friday in, in Iowa or against Iowa, then I think that that sets up their whole weekend for success. Give me give me the Red Raiders at home. Sticking to my roots here. I think a lot of other people are going to have that pick, but I, I trust Texas Tech against a Big Ten team. If Texas Tech can't win a series this weekend, then they should not host. They should not host a regional. I cannot believe you're taking Texas Tech or UCF. Impressive. Okay. Both strategies have gotten hope so I'm, off. I'm worried about Troy, though. Like, Troy could be a really good weekend team. I'm so distracted by I'm so distracted right now in my headspace right now with Jack. What an unbelievable moment. Yeah, that was crazy. I was watching it live. I just peeked over, saw an absolute moonshot. Anyway, um I think we're done with the pick'em and the survivor. You're locking in Texas Tech as your survivor pick. Red Raiders, baby. Um so anyway, let's talk a little let's talk a little WBC before we wrap this thing up. What do you say? What do you say? Yeah, man. Dude, we have so many games going on nonstop for the next three days. Team USA plays Saturday night at 9 p.m. against Great Britain. Uh, I think there's eight games on Saturday and another four on Friday. Hey, if yes, I'm not mistaken. Wainwright is starting for USA. They already have him penciled in to start. Yeah, I'm worried Rudy about Ryan. Team USA's. I'm worried about Team USA's pitching. I, I I really am. It's it's Wainwright and Miles Michaelis and Miles you know. Mikol Mikolas. Okay. That's how you say it in the true term. It's he's not going to pitch. He's not going to pitch any better based on how we pronounce his last name. Who else is is, is Kershaw pitching? No, I think he's out. Right. I think Kershaw backed out to some sort of bogus injury. They all backed out. Oh, so many players backed out bogus injury. Um, but yeah, let's let's talk. So Wednesday with the Tuesday night with the first game, Kingdom in the Netherlands and Cuba. Um, from a D one college standpoint, Netherlands had um, a few people that, that people might remember. Vander Wheel was part of that. Nasty Vanderbilt Omaha's team played first base mostly, right? Yeah, national champs. Yep, played first base. Um, and then they had Josh Palacios, Auburn guy. Yeah, I played against him in junior college. Yeah, I played against him in junior college. He would go up there, no, yeah, no batting gloves, like no swag whatsoever. And dude, he could absolutely mash baseballs, just um, pounded them. Derek West came in second in that game, Pittsburgh Panther. And then um, Franklin Van Gerp, FIU Panther. So there's a few little little D1 history there. Um, anyway, Netherlands looks really good. I think um, I have a bunch of friends on that team. Um, they look good so far. They're, they're a powerhouse. They're a blue blood, like we say. They know how to win. Talking tournament. about the Netherlands? Yeah, they just know how to win. Well, yeah, and then so for people that aren't familiar, the Netherlands, you know, of course they're in, in they're in Europe, and people think of the Netherlands for soccer or whatever. But 
for baseball, they get the uh, the island, the island. Curacao. That's why they're the and Aruba. So they're the kingdom of the Netherlands. So they get those islands down in the Caribbean where they're able to get players like Didi Gregorius and uh, Xander Bogarts and, and, mm-hmm. and um, Roger Bernardino. I mean, Holland, Holland. So the, here's how the Netherlands usually work. Holland is better for the pitching. The island is better for position players. That's typically what they're, that's usually how it works. Most of their pitchers are the island guys. Um, Loic Van Mill, um, RIP, one of their best closers. Um, was he the he six foot nine away. guy? He was huge. What? Wasn't he like six foot nine? He yeah, giant. he was their closer. Ninety. He was a gasoline thrower. He passed away in Australia about two or three years ago. Um, wow, that's really sad. tragic. Uh, but yeah, I mean, they have a lot of pitching that comes out of Holland. Um, Bolson Brock. Then they had a guy, a, a WBC legend. What's his name? Um, right-handed starter. Uh, I forgot his name. Van but, something. Um, Van Van Vanderschick. I know who you're talking about here. I forget what it is. But um, anyway, Cuba, pretty disappointing start so far with with the lineup that they have. Luis Robert and... um, Juan Moncada. Juan Juan Moncada and Cespedes. And Ben's Wi-Fi went out again. So hold tight. We will be back here shortly. And he's back. I don't know what it is. It's like once a night, my laptop just shuts down google chrome out of nowhere no reason whatsoever wi-fi is perfect whatever but yeah um you mentioned something to me oh yeah so we were talking pre-show about how with the sec all-star team or lsu how would they how would they fare in this tournament and my answer to you was for example you put a wood bat you put a wood bat in some of these College team. I mean, you guys. If you guys remember last year, Team USA struggled. That was supposed to be a super team. They struggled in the Honkball Classic, which Honkball is the Dutch word for baseball. It was a tournament in Amsterdam. Team USA, Team Italy, Japan, um, Curacao, a um, bunch of couple teams. Team USA struggled. They finished what third, I think. Yeah, they lost in the bronze finalists. Um, but yeah, when you put a wood bat in those hands with mature pitchers in front of them, it's a whole different ball game. You throw a college all-star team or LSU, whoever you want, throw them in Venezuela in the winter league with wood bat, they don't finish 500. Put them in this WBC. Chances are they probably don't advance. They're just not mature enough players yet. They don't have the experience. They just they don't have experience with wood bats, which it's not a knock against them. It's just simple fact. They're they're used to facing 21-year-olds who will hum a fastball right down the middle a lot of time. Face these pro arm that have experience. They might not throw 98 all of them anymore. They throw 89, 92, 93, and they will command the shit out of it with three-plus pitches. Slider, breaking ball, changeup, curveball, whatever you want. It's a different it's a different animal. So my answer I said to you, they're gonna they would struggle a lot. Yeah, the question was, what if we put together the best college players on the team, threw them in the World Baseball Classic, how would they do? And, you, yeah, you surprised me with your answer. You're like, man, I don't think they would do very good. You know, of course, they're all talented, but you got to remember they're using metal bats. They're playing in different, completely different environments against younger competition. 
And the, the older that you get playing baseball, just the more wise you know. I mean, you know how to attack hitters. You know how, what your best stuff is, what you don't need to throw versus what you do need to throw. Made a lot of sense because you see these guys getting outs with – I mean, I'm watching you know a, t- a guy like pitching for China throwing 86 miles an hour, getting people out. Um, the guy from Australia yesterday, yesterday was a lefty topping out at 87, and but he's still getting people out. It, it, there comes a point between throwing and pitching, and right now we're seeing a lot of throwing in college baseball where it's 95. A problem. Yeah, 95 right down the middle versus 92 with some sink on the outer edge, painting that spot over and over, and then mixing that in with a back foot slider. Yeah, I mean, I mean, if the combination in the college game with hot ball and pitchers who know how to throw but don't know how to pitch, it, the recipe for a lot of offense. And you know what is more entertaining to watch, which is perfectly fine. But if you want, like, for example, probably arguably the best player in college baseball right now, Jack Cagliano. I think we would both agree on that. Right now, he's the best player in college baseball. No doubt. Pitching and hitting. So. You watch him. Watch his ABs. His balls that he's smashing, 120 miles an hour, XV low, home runs, yada, yada. They're middle, middle, just bullets. 92, 93, right down the middle. They're going to hit it. But if you watch his ABs that he struggles or he strikes out or whatever, it's change up down in the way. It's fastballs up and in. It's a commanded, well-sequenced at-bat. That you, It's just what it is. He's a young hitter, very talented just a young hitter that doesn't have the experience that he will have when he's 23, 24, 25 in triple A or in the big league. It's, yeah. That's just that's just how baseball works. Same thing in football. Super young, super talented, Kenny Pickett, or for lack of a better quarterback, Jalen Hurt, Aaron, and, and then compare him to Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers has been doing it for 15 years. He knows what it takes. Yeah, Aaron like, Rodgers doesn't have the skills – and and everything. I mean, sorry, he doesn't doesn't have the wowing ability that you know, Jalen Hurts has. But when it's third and eight, who'd you rather have the ball in their hands? You're going to say Aaron Rodgers because he's going to hit that slant over the middle, you know, nine times out of ten. Similar thing in baseball, pitching and defense and stuff like that. When it comes, it's just different. It's a different ball game. So, yeah, I think <laughs> well, I saw I, I saw a hilarious tweet today and i forget who did it maybe john bowman or one of the college baseball gamblers that tweets it out and he's like wow i you know it's kind of nice watching these world baseball classic games because i don't have to hold my breath every time there's a ball put in play because there's not as many errors every time there's a ball put in play because like these guys don't make very many errors you don't see like a routine ball get kicked you don't see a a throwing error from the shortstop to first base you don't see a drop fly ball in center field (laughs) It's a uh, it's a very clean defensive game that these professionals play, so it, it is nice if you're gambling on games. You don't have to worry about errors and walks ruining you. Czech Republic for the they just completed their first win. Good for the Czech. Congrats to those boys. That's a that's a good story. Um, I I'm not a fan of the whole working day jobs and playing baseball story that everyone's talking about right now, like the dentist and the neurologist. Yeah, that's their job. But when you go over to Europe, you don't, a lot of those guys don't make enough money to play baseball alone, but their main focus is baseball. Like I, I, I don't know how to explain it to you. Like baseball over there, you play, you go to practice. Think of it like when you were in high school or whatever, 
You went to school, you went home, you had a snack, you maybe did some homework, and then you went to baseball practice. Yeah, you still what took they practice do is really they just work during the day, and then they go to practice, they work out and all that stuff. And it, the life in Europe is different. Going to work five days a week, but sometimes you can go in four days. Sometimes you can get off early. It's not the rigorous nine to five that you see in the United States. A little more casual. Not everything, not all jobs, but most. And they play ball on the weekend. And most leagues over there, it's Friday, Saturday, Sunday, the schedule. So I hate the term that people are saying, oh, it's the dentist. No, it's like an indie baller working in the offseason and playing during the season. It's a very similar concept. But you don't hear them saying, oh, this guy works. He's a financial advisor in the offseason. And then he plays indie ball of the season or whatever the case may be. You, you know what I mean? This, yeah. It's kind of disrespectful to the level of talent that they're talking about with these check guys. But it's all about clicks. It's all about storylines. I mean, that's what it is. That's what it is. And and it's it's a good story. It's a good story to follow. Are they going to win the story? But it's it's a little it's a little exaggerated. Yeah, they're not going to win the the world world baseball classic. Um, you know, they're probably not even going to advance out of their pool. That's okay. I mean, it, it's growing the sport over there that's in Europe. Okay. And um Everybody knows soccer comes first over there. Even cricket comes before baseball in most of those countries. Um, but it's good to see these guys compete at a national level where it excites the country. And you don't know who, which eight-year-old is watching the game going like, oh, my God, this is a fun sport. I want to go play it. And then him and his buddies get together and you know they end up playing for the next 10 years. And they're the next guys from Czech Republic or Spain or Germany or France that are bringing their country to a, a world baseball classic. It's really cool. I, I don't think a lot of the listeners know how much you actually follow and know about international baseball. I mean, you've played all over, played in Italy, played in Greece, you played in Nicaragua and, and Venezuela. So you get what these other countries are, are coming from. You get the culture, you get the background, you, you see guys from all over the world come and play for these teams and uh, you follow the international game more than I'm sure any other listener we have. Um, we were talking about bets earlier, and you're already 2-0 and in your bets. You, you picked the over in the Cuba-Panama game. You picked Czech Republic to beat China. Um, I mean, that, you're 2-0 and in your bets right now, and you have two more plays later today. And um, you, you said the no, over. No, no, Panama-Cuba 4-2. No, it's not, sixth. dude. I'm watching it. It's Wait. five four now. Cuba just scored three. Oh, yep, there it is. Five four. I had to refresh. Yeah, my bad. So, yep, bang. It's the over cashed um, in the in the fifth inning or sixth inning. It was an yeah, early I cash. Mean, I, I, like we said, I'm not a gambler. I don't. I, don't I, I hate losing money. I hate losing money more than I like winning. <laughs> that's a good which way is, to put it. That's what. Which is why I don't do it. I hate losing it more than I like winning it. So, but um. Yeah, no, I mean, I, 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 when it comes to international baseball, it's much, it's, it's a different, it's a, the game is played differently. It's you very say, similar, you, very similar to the Olympics and basketball, right? These countries that are good at basketball, the Argentinas and the, um, who is it? Hey, Ar- don't sleep on the Balkan. Oh, yeah, but what are the other countries that are good? Um, well, uh, I mean, in bad Croatia, Slovakia, Croatia, Slovakia, all the Balkan countries. Um, Spain is good. France is good. Brazil is good. 
Like yeah. these, these countries your... play a different style basketball than the United States that we're used to. And they're able to be successful. Now they don't have the star yeah. power um, that USA but, but the has. The thing is, with international baseball, you don't just set your rotation and roll with your best guy first, your second best guy second. Like for example, I'll give you an example. Let's say China is facing, or Czech Czech Republic, perfect example. They're going to face China, Japan, and Korea and Australia. They're not going to throw their best pitcher against Japan because they have, probably have no chance to win the game. So they're going to throw their best pitcher against a team that they think they have the best chance of winning. So they're going to throw their best pitchers against China or Australia. Mm-hmm. Try to guarantee a win. Second best pitcher is going to go against the other team. Try to guarantee yourself two wins. That's how international mind, baseball mindsets work. Like the European Championship. I, when we play, I won't pitch like last two years ago we played italy um belgium and austria that was is it safe to say you're the ace of the greece national national team i mean yeah i think the stats speak for themselves yeah i think the stats speak for themselves if we were in the wbc right now depending on how many pro guys we got from the state where there's quite a few i would possibly possibly be dhing in if we were in it right now Oh yeah, I mean Greece is not a huge baseball country. Like you guys no, we probably have, have. We have a very small league. We have a very small league. We have a little league, about five or six teams right now, um, working on getting another few more and build the infrastructure back up again. For those that don't know, we, they hosted the Olympics in 2004. So the birth of the national team was 2022 ish. Peter Angelo, owner of the Baltimore Orioles. Long story short, I can go on and on about it, but that's how baseball was born. The Olympic basically forced the country to introduce baseball. Um, but anyway, for example, our pool would be Spain. I mean, uh, Italy, Austria, and Belgium. That was our pool. I went again, Belgium. We threw a young kid, Nick Pantos, who just graduated from Old Dominion. We threw him against Italy um, because that's how it works. You throw your best guy against the lesser team to try to guarantee yourself a win to advance. And then you throw your quote unquote, I don't, I don't, uh, your worst guy, your least talented guy, or your least experienced veteran, whatever, against the better team. Because you find, you just try to guarantee yourself a win. It's different. Yeah. But it's fun. It's, it's super fun baseball, different. I, I recommend you t- sitting down and watching a couple of these games. Um, I know there's a lot of Americans playing for a lot of these teams, but there's plenty of teams that are playing with guys from their own country. So it's super fun to watch. This weekend will be a lot of fun um, with games going on nonstop. Honestly, starting it's tomorrow morning at 5 a.m. Hours. It's nonstop. So please, please watch. If, if you're a baseball fan, please watch. You will learn something. You will enjoy something. You will experience play, strategy, rituals, all that good stuff. Different way, different tradition. Um, it's a lot of fun. But there's uh there's eight games on Saturday. We got Czech Republic, Japan, Netherlands, Chinese Taipei, Nicaragua, Puerto Rico, Colombia, Mexico, Dominican Dominican Republic, Venezuela, Great Britain, United States, Czech Republic, Korea, and then Chinese Taipei, Cuba. And then Sunday morning at six AM, Japan, Australia, Netherlands, Italy. Nicaragua, Israel, Great Britain, Canada, Venezuela, Puerto Rico, Mexico, United States, Australia, Czech Republic. I mean, this is nonstop all weekend. And, and, it's, yeah, it, and the and, tournament's and going honestly, on. Guys, I'm going to give you a forewarning. 
just because we only get this tournament every four years, our college baseball coverage this weekend might be on the lesser side than you're used to. Please, please just understand. <laughs> I, I want to watch these games. Like, this is once every four years, right up my alley of what I love. Um, so, yeah, our, I mean, I'm just, I'm just going ahead and saying it. I'm going to be watching a lot of these WBC games this weekend. They're going to be good, man. It's it's our World Cup. Every four years, we've actually yeah. had to wait six years because of COVID for this one. Yep, and 2017 uh, was the last one. The United States won it there. And uh, all right, give me give me your four picks for your four semifinalists. Uh, without looking at the bracket, I mean, I think the four best teams, at least talent wise. If you go to if you go to eleven point seven dot com. And then click on the um, if you scroll down or if you on the left hand side under the uh, trending lineup and click on the uh, always electric well and you scroll down it's the full bracket. Okay, let me do that here real quick. Eleven point seven dot com. My phone's at one yeah, percent. Um, so yeah, I mean pool A. Give me give me Netherlands winning that one and Italy probably runner up. Um, but anyway, my semifinalists are probably going to be. Japan and Netherlands. Japan and Netherlands are my two finalists from that side, and then the other side is gonna have to be. It's gonna have to be Dominican and oh man, Dominican and Venezuela possibly, but I can't. I can't leave U.S. They're gonna make the semifinal. USA and the Dominican, Japan and Netherlands, which was the exact same semifinal as 2017. It would be hard to disagree there. I, I hey, think by the way, the- Ben, I'm thinking about I'm thinking about going down to Miami for the for the. I I thought about just just. My um, little brother already has a hotel and tickets to the semifinals and the finals. So he's going down there. He's going to Miami. He already bought his plane are you, ticket. Are you going? Man, I don't think I can. I, my son turns one year old next next week. I have a big birthday party for him and everything. I don't know if I'll be able to have time to do it. I mean, I really want to. It's a once every four year thing. It would be fun, but I, I think I'm gonna have to stick at home. Yeah. But who knows? I might make the trip. It's only a seven hour drive from here. Yeah. I, I think um, a sleeper okay. team that people aren't really talking about, Canada, I think has a good roster. Venezuela, really talented team. I think I, Venezuela can be really good. I, I think my four would be USA, Venezuela, and then Japan and give me another team besides the Netherlands that you like. I don't think they're going to make it. Italy, Italy could be a sneaky play there. Um, I think Italy, if depending on how that pool B shakes out with Japan for that second place with Korea and Australia, um, Australia might be a sneaky little sleeper Cinderella story. Italy or Australia would be two fun plate picks if you pick one of those. I, Italy has a lot of MLB guys, man. I, I, I think I think I'm gonna take Italy instead of the Netherlands. They looked they looked good Not last a bad night. Pick. Not a bad pick. Which yeah, I mean yeah, it, Italy is not the typical Italy team that you would see a couple years ago. They had a lot of homegrown players. Um, baseball's kind of in a in a rut right now. They're they don't have quite the 
feeling of talent that they used to have, but that's why I think they went the super heavy American route, which is whatever. But mm-hmm. um, yeah, that's all I've got. Yeah, that's all we got for the show here. Um, we'll be back Sunday night, of course, recap the the weekend series and all of that, all the weekend fun action. Talk a little bit more about the World Baseball Classic and uh, what we saw this pat, or I guess this upcoming weekend for there. But I uh, appreciate everybody for listening and um, and yeah, we'll be back on Sunday. We won a national championship for for Ole Miss and um, all the past players and all the fans across the country and for the state of Mississippi and the University of Mississippi. uh, We did it. uh, We're national champs. Breaking ball. Oh, my goodness. Deep right field. A grand slam. Base hit. Arkansas. Tommy White. First pitch swinging. In the air to center. D'Onofrio back and it's gone. The legend continues. Got him swinging. The Campbell Campbells, the dynasty of the Big South. And now Tony Vitello bumps the third base umpire. Set. He'll throw that as a line drive in the gap. Did he do it again? It is another ball in the gap for Morrell. Another extra. Oh, that is gone. A home run for Brian Morrell. Swing and a ball driven. Way back. And foul. No, gone. He did it. Ortiz kept it just there and walks it off with a grand slam. Titanic with a blast again. <laughs> Melendez doesn't get cheated.